Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour Extra Bits with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. This week, we ask why it's taken Coronation Street so long to finally have a black family on the street. We look at why so many companies could not close their gender pay gap. And we speak to Chelsea Outram, single mum and model, who is taking on the stigma around stretch marks. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! We're talking news stories to kick us off. Um, first one that I can't... I was astonished when I saw this and then I thought about it and I was like, of course. Coronation Street, launched 59 years ago, the UK's longest running soap has only now decided it would like to have a black family. The first black family is moving into Coronation Street this year. How the hell has it taken so long <laughs> now? What? What's going on? So when I first heard this, my my instinct was to just try just to just to check the facts. I was like, is Coronation Street actually based in in Manchester, Manchester? And you were like, yes. Yep. I was like, Okay, is it like the first ever, ever black family? <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. So, they're, being black, you notice when people that look like me are missing on TV. And generally, there's only ever one black family or one Asian family on a soap at any one time. And anyone at home saying, that's not true, have a look at EastEnders, I have a look at that. Curry, yeah. have a look at Emmerdale, have a look at all your big soaps. You only ever get one of one cultural type uh, at any one time. Um, and so it is overdue considering that Manchester as a real city is diverse. And so for Coronation Street to only be representing the place that it is filmed now, 59 years on, it feels ridiculously overdue so one of the things that was interesting to me is the kind of the showrunner in mcleod has basically said the reason this happened is because new families kind of come into coronation street on a one out one in basis like a nightclub at 2am <laughs> and you know there are only a certain number of houses on Corrie, so you've got to wait for somebody to move out of a house oh, until really? somebody else can move in is that why the factory can only ever be the factory or yeah. one other big thing at any one <laughs> it time has right, never got changed it. Yeah. they haven't cha- they've never changed the factory into luxury flats yeah. you know which is what has actually <laughs> happened to it in reality yeah, exactly um and so they were trying to justify it with that but 
you then raised this great point now, which I hadn't thought about, which is that, yeah, because you only have one of any one time. And I instantly thought of EastEnders. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I'm sure EastEnders. And I was like, no. And think about it. And even if there is, by some fluke, two families let's say or let's say there's a black family or an asian family and and another black person yes and come to stay or (laughs) another black person arrives they generally assimilate into the black family or into the asian family and i think at one point in eastenders there were two asian families there were the masoods and another asian family and if you noticed all of masoods family started to disappear and mr masood then amalgamated into the Asian family that was there and so I think it, it does reiterate the point exactly like she's saying there are only enough there are only a certain number of houses yeah. it is that thing of we can't have too many of any of any one ethnic type here because yeah. then it will feel like there are too many yeah and that is ultimately what I think she is saying in a roundabout way and it's not good enough um but what I would all equally say is what we can't then say is because there is, is there's a black family, it's a black family that's representative of black people mm-hmm. in Manchester in the UK. Mm-hmm. Because actually, if you're black and from the Caribbean or you're black and you're African, yeah. your cultural references growing up will be very different. And so I, I hope that we can go a step further and actually show that being black in the UK is you know, it, it's complex. So I hope they don't take a very single dimension view of this. And we already know that one of the um, boys within the family uh, is going to be a 19 year old footballer and he's going to come out uh, as gay. So they're going to tackle racism and homophobia in sport and within the family. So I hope they don't make it a kind of black family. So therefore they are really, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of yeah. homophobic. Because then again, it feeds into a stereotype and it's just like, oh gosh, there's an opportunity here to do something more. So when I saw that, the thing I thought was really interesting about that was, I was like, this feels like it's been a conscious decision where it's like, we're bringing a black family in, but we're not going to talk about them being a black family. We're just going to bring them in and we're going to give them a whole other storyline to focus on. And I couldn't decide whether I thought that was a good decision or a bad decision. I was like... I, it feel, I don't know, Emma, what does it feel to you? It feels weird to me. Yeah, because you, you get kind of tokenism, because I'm thinking in yeah. these in, in these soap opera, operas, there's lots of opportunities for them to have a diverse range of characters mm. in a show. I mean, I haven't watched, I don't really watch soap, so I don't know what they've been like in terms of their representation, in terms of just other characters in the show, whether they've been very good in terms of diversity. No, I was thinking, nobody ever has a black boyfriend, do they? It's not like they bring in, you know, a kind of black partner for some Somebody or oh, every no, so in coronet because I want to defend it, it. Yeah, that there are there are black characters and there are yeah. um, mixed heritage characters in Coronation Street and in Emmerdale um, who are the partners of so and you know yeah. of, of someone. I, I actually don't watch them that often either. Um, so they do, but it's it's more about there's a family coming in. Are they going to try and put? all of the diversity and representation criteria on this one yeah. family so it's a black family and the son's going to be gay and he might you know the other brother gets stabbed and then the mum is suffering from yeah. depression and something else happened and I'm like sure fine if they're getting lots of airtime but if they if they then get all of the tick boxes it will become very tiring for them very quickly yeah, because I mean, these are these shows in everybody's home daily, and like they are known for being yeah. groundbreaking. I mean, I remember Brookside and had like the first, first lesbian, lesbian kiss yes. years yeah. ago, and it's like, you know, twenty years ago you had a lesbian kit, you know, kiss on TV, but it's taken you sixty years to have a black family, and yeah. like, like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 
We'll see how it plays out. Corey, we're looking forward to seeing it. Uh, the other big news this week, half of firms have failed to close their gender pay gap. So a year after gender pay gap reporting became kind of legally binding, um, it turns out that over half firms have not done anything about it. So they've reported on it and they've gone, here we go, it's not very good. Oops, we haven't made it better. In fact, uh, 45% of the firms who did disclose, it turned out the pay gap has actually increased in favour of men. Did you expect that to happen? Nah. <laughs> I thought transparency would help, and so I'm a bit disappointed. Does transparency help? Transparency, I think, gets people to go, oh, swear word. Um, and then I think it throws up lots of issues around collecting data. So if you're a company that needs to report on this and... Um, you're, you're a small company and the gender balance, say you have, you know, let's just say there are four people, uh, two women, two men, and one of the women leave, that can skew data. And so what we've done in terms of saying, give us your data, it, I think throws up lots of other issues for companies reporting. I'm not saying it's right that it's changed, but I think it's more complex than just looking at a stat going in any direction because it is, it's just a bit more complicated. That said... I think part of the reason that change isn't happening and going in the way that we want it to is because there hasn't really been any penalties for not complying. And so the Equality and Human Rights Commission said it will take enforce enforcement action against um, firms that missed the deadline for reporting. But what happens if a company basically says, we pay all of our men more and all of the women less? Yep. What happens? What happens next? Apparently nothing. And therein lies the <laughs> yeah, big problem. issue. Yeah, but it, but it is complex, though, isn't it? Because I mean, I mean, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like there's lots of lots of things that have got to change beyond the workplace in terms of you know, there's an awful lot of women in part-time work because they tend to be the carers of children because society hasn't quite shifted that. So I do, I do feel like there it's not going to be a quick fix but I don't want to make excuses for companies but I do feel like there's lots of like you yeah. say dimensions to that data that it, it isn't just a case of just paying everybody the same salary it's it's some other shifts that need to go on right? and you are right so if a company says right we'll allow flexible working and again let's just say there are 10 people now in this company mm -hmm. and five of them are men and five of them are women and because the women by circumstance are the, the um the primary uh, uh child you know basically look after the children and they therefore work a compressed week therefore earning less that then skews the data so there are and if you have more women uh, different parts of the company you know it just we need to i think we need to find some other levers to try and get the change that we want because the reason this came into um into force is that we, we ultimately want to be paid the same yeah we want to decrease the gap so let's look at what things might drive decreasing that gap and i think when we're talking about the gender pay gap we're not talking about equal pay so we're not talking about yeah, this is where i get yeah confused. not talking about yeah. two people doing the same job being paid different although there is an equal pay gap um well not everywhere but most companies have an equal pay gap but it's generally much smaller um but gender pay gap is essentially your average pay so if you have way more men at the top and way more women at the bottom you're going to have a bigger gender pay gap and one of the things that's really interesting to me within that is i am um, I was talking to a male friend this week and we were talking about kind of gender politics and he got a bit upset because he felt that I was very much kind of 
getting at him for being a white man and that therefore he was a terrible person which Epps did not mean to do and he said well do you think that I don't take care of my wife my daughter my mother do you think I don't care about them do you think I don't look after them and I thought this is really interesting because this is actually where one of the big problems is which Mm -hmm. is we are still assuming and putting on men that it is their economic responsibility Mm -hmm to look after women Mm. and so then when we're in a workplace with them we tend to think oh well if a woman's gone off on maternity leave almost her other half needs to be earning more to look after them there's still a kind of understanding that women are looking after kids more and men are looking after the whole family economically Mm -hmm. and while that attitude persists it means that when women come back from maternity leave we don't promote them as fast Mm -hmm. it means that we assume they won't want to go as far in their Mm -hmm. career so they tend to stay at lower levels or middle management and men we go actually now they're a family guy Mm -hmm. they're really committed so we need to promote them further Mm -hmm. they're going to be dedicated to their jobs and maybe even they feel more dedicated Mm -hmm. because they feel this level of economic responsibility and so this whole weird societal shift happens Mm -hmm. where without even realizing that we're doing it we're still literally buying into this idea that we need to pay men more we're rewarding men for being family men yeah and we're penalizing women for having families yeah Mm -hmm. and really what we should just be doing is rewarding people for how good they are at their job basically and yet that's somehow very, very difficult. But, can I, but I do think we need to simplify on the data piece. I mean, we talk about this all the time <laughs> and I still can't articulately explain the difference between the gender pay gap equal and pay. equal pay and what it means in terms of data reporting and what it means within a company. Company. All I know is that the right levers are not in place to drive the change that we want to see. And in a way, what we need to really say is actually when we're talking about gender pay gap, we're almost not talking about pay. What we're talking about is opportunity. Mm. This is a gender opportunity gap. And so if your company has a big gender pay gap, what that essentially means is that as a woman working for that company, your chance of making it to the top is much, much smaller. If you are working for a company with a smaller gender pay gap, you might still have loads of men at the top, but your chance of getting there is going to be greater. And that's, I think, the difference. And the other thing that is important to say within that gap, um, black women, black African women, black Caribbean women, Asian women... And even less yeah. when you when you look at the uh, you know the category of women and disabled women and even, um, even less as well. Actually, there have been calls to have a um, Black Asian minority ethnic pay gap report. Yes. So to make that compulsory as well, I would like to see that. Would you like to see that? So I think it, has it not been made compulsory for twenty twenty one? Oh, possibly. Either twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. Some companies are doing it voluntarily already. Um, and so, yeah, because I, I think, I mean, that will hold a mirror up. Will it drive any change? Probably not. And I know this is where people, them, some people say you need to fix the system. I'm also like, if you find out you are earning less, yes. you need to put, you need to do something about it too. Don't just wait for the system to change and hope for the best because it's not going to happen. Well, my favourite is this was some of the women at BBC when they realised they were being paid less and then suddenly, literally the next week, they're like, huh, how strange. My salary has gone up by £30,000 overnight. Where has that come from? (laughs) Only at the BBC. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Nowhere else. Uh, Now, I don't know how you feel about certain parts of your body, but sometimes I look at mine and I think, where has it gone? Gravity is taking its toll. (laughs) Definitely used to be a foot higher than it is now. (laughs) Um, What are you referring to, Harriet? (laughs) Earlobes. I want to talk about earlobes. 
earlobes. Exactly that. <laughs> earlobes are lower. They definitely they are. are. Age. It is age. Uh, our next guest is going to talk about how being abused for her stretch marks on social media actually helped her find her confidence and her voice. Hopefully she's going to give us all a dose of body positivity. That is coming up next here on Badass Women's Hour XL. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. We are joined in the studio now by Chelsea Outram, a plus-size model, Chelsea. We're going to discuss why I almost can't get those words out of my mouth when looking at you. A plus-size model who has been blazing a trail for stretch mark acceptance after she was abused online by some social media, quite frankly, idiots. Chelsea, (laughs) welcome to Badass Women's Hour. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Uh, So tell us what happened on your Instagram. So um, I kind of embarked on like a little Instagram journey, trial kind of thing of putting my stretch marks out there. Um, Just because based on of what I do as a job and the people that I tend to follow and whatever, I'm just used to seeing flawless, flawless, flawless things. So I was like, okay, I'm going to post a picture of my stretch marks just for all the women that need to, needed to see it, all the women that have just had babies, even stretch marks don't just come from babies, but in general, that needed a bit of realness on the timeline. Um, so yeah, I posted a picture and to be honest, it was like 97% good feedback but then there was a few trolls that was in there saying uh, like this is a reason why you're a single mom men don't want to see this like just uh what you expect <laughs> did you expect it though to be honest I did just for the fact that people aren't used to seeing realness anymore like we're so used to seeing photoshop bodies or um airbrush bodies that I was, I was like, I was ready for it. I was ready for a bit of backlash, but yeah. <laughs> How did you feel about your stretch marks before you posted them online? To be honest, like the, um, before, like it took me like a good hour sat on the bed, like, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? And I did it. And before I posted the picture, like I was so insecure, like differently insecure about um, my stretch marks. But the feedback that I've got from all the women has like really helped and made me carry on to do more posts and yeah. Chelsea, what do you think of the recent mother care campaign where yeah. they showed, you know, real bodies, yeah. um, you know, mothers and you know with stretch marks with the, you know, how did did you did you like that campaign? Yeah, I loved that campaign. Like I literally feel like that was like a whole breakthrough for for mothers like it's such a it's such a soft subject to speak on because so many mothers are so insecure and it's like we don't know how to feel we've just had this amazing baby like we've been gifted the most amazing gift but at the same time we hate ourselves for what we've become and it's kind of like there's such a thin barrier of like do I blame myself do I blame my child like it's such a soft subject so I think that mother care um, campaign was like really really needed because I because I looked at that campaign and yeah. uh, in one aspect I was like this is brilliant because we are celebrating you know um, non-flawlessness yeah. you know just like normal bodies yeah. but at the same time I couldn't help feel like it was still playing into this conversation that you know how we look is how we place our value because I still feel like this conversation around you know being able to show our true bodies is still about going no actually we are okay yeah and and, you know and I I really want us to push 
beyond that but I guess we're not going to get there till we have you know what you're doing which Mm -hmm. is to put out that realness yeah definitely I feel like it's such a like I said it it was a breakthrough for for me I think personally I think that it was such a a nice refreshment to see like oh that they are kind of brands are being more accepting to to real women and and not so much airbrushing things out and retouching and yeah just being a mum like made me really appreciate that campaign and yeah see I'm torn because there's a part of me that thinks if we're looking at uh, a magazine Mm -hmm. that we've bought and we know it's advertising do we even look at it now and go oh it's 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 airbrushed and the same the same with Instagram now it's almost so basically where I'm trying to get to is do we need to just stop looking at this stuff that's making us feel bad about ourselves so much so that we have to be real to then feel good about ourselves I think that we're now conditioned to seeing so much airbrush and so much photoshop that we don't even look at a picture and think that oh actually maybe she did have a bit of cellulite there but it's been retouched out I think that we're so used to seeing such um like so many different things that have been been photoshopped etc that when that when we do see something it does take us a step back and we are like oh like there is real people out there but I think that works in aspects of all kind of social media I think that it works in so I've before followed models and I've seen them working and I haven't been working and I'm thinking, oh my God, oh my God, I'm not working. I think it kind of like works in all aspects of social media. We're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. Do we not need to shift our focus to actual real, real people? I'm sitting here (laughs) looking at you right now. I'm looking at H, I'm looking at M and I need to take my gaze away from a 2D visual because I can't tell if it's real or not. I know Mm -hmm. nothing about what's going on behind that thing. And the reality is, is we should get our... Uh, if anything, if if we're speaking to anyone about how we feel, it should be someone in a real space in yeah. a real yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I'm not being articulate about about this, but I'm almost, I just, I think, just think we've gone too far yeah. based on the fact we have to push realness on an unreal platform. Yeah. And I think somebody, I think I read once that on a kind of average hour long commute. Mm we will have consumed over 500 images of naked or semi-naked women. On our phones. Either on our phones, on advertising, on billboards, on magazines and newspapers. So that like constant visual of women's bodies mm-hmm. is thrown at us the whole time what do you yeah. think would happen so if, short if, of closing our eyes in, okay like, so trouble. let's imagine a dystopian movie <laughs> and it was a world where we woke up and we no longer saw women's bodies uh-huh. what do you think the conversation would be so i could see your body men's so bodies normal. no we saw so you didn't <laughs> yeah, see men's yeah. bodies you didn't see women's bodies yeah. I, I don't know what ads turned into but on social media it was exactly the same it wasn't people's bodies it wasn't people's faces the the body the the only time you ever saw the body or the human form was only in In real life do you think it would change the way that we assess people hang on we do see people in real life this is the thing that i'm finding fascinating right we've got social media which is on your phone you physically have to look at your phone but if you just look at the world around you that's what i'm trying (laughs) to say and this this is why i feel kind of torn because it's a bit like just put the phones down. Yeah, and I, phone. th- I think it's a whole generation thing, yeah. though. Yeah. Definitely, a hundred percent. Because 
my mum doesn't get it she's like <laughs> she's like she's like what why on earth do you need acceptance from people that are online that don't even know <laughs> I, love your mom <laughs> so she doesn't get it but at the same time she understands that it's a generation thing mm-hmm. i think that's so because social media is such a second nature to to us now that we people that we follow and people that we look up to are so easy to access and we're so involved in their lives like through social media that it, we're kind of obliged to to be on social media. I agree with you on on the, personally. I agree. I think that it's crazy. I think that we literally need to put our phones down and start being realistic. But at the same time, I do understand that it's constantly pushed on us. Social mm-hmm. media, social media, social media. Are you going to do more real posts? A hundred percent. Yeah, like I feel it's like. I just understand. I don't understand why I wouldn't. If that kind of makes sense, like I'm so conditioned to now, I'm so accepting of real that I don't understand why I wouldn't. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're going to yeah. keep talking to Chelsea here on Badass Women's Hour XL. The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We are talking to plus-size model Chelsea Outram all about stretch marks and being real on social media. Chelsea, just before the break, you were saying that it's still, you're going to keep posting pictures of your real self out there on social media, um, but that your mum doesn't understand why you need to do it. And there's a bit of me that does, caught as I am in the generation between you and your mum, just, um, (laughs) that kind of sees it from both points of view because... I definitely am aware that like if I post something and I get lots of likes for it, that there's a, a, a an esteem boost that goes into that. Yeah. But I am try and be so aware of it that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Are we creating a really weird generation where your self-esteem is based on other people liking what you do? So maybe I didn't come about it the right way. So my self-esteem isn't based on what other people think. And I think that kind of shows from me me putting it out there like I had I I knew that I was going to get some backlash from it so part of me knew that 
this could end terribly wrong. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do think that, so, so what I do it for is I post these pictures and the feedback that I get from women is so overwhelming and so inspiring. That's why I do it. I don't do it for the people. I don't, like, it doesn't matter to me how many likes I get. I could get one like, I could get 50,000 likes, but it's the messages that I receive from the women privately that are saying to me, thank you so much. You don't know how much this picture's helped me get over and look at myself differently you don't understand how much you've helped with my confidence it's that that I do it for not for my self-esteem I do it for helping other women so ladies would you ever post an unfiltered real picture of yourselves on Instagram kind of highlighting something that you're maybe not as in love with on your body all my photos are unfiltered and real Oh, you go, but girl. Would you ever go, cause I, I don't like, post a lot of photos on my, on my face. <laughs> yeah. And I have a real thing about, like, I don't like to filter stuff mm. on my thing. I feel a bit uncomfortable with it. But would you deliberately highlight a part of your body that you felt less secure or happy with? Um, to, I don't know why I would. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the answer is probably no. Yeah. Uh, so first of all so the process I have to have to go through I'd need to find a part that I don't like so probably yeah. like a jiggly bit under the back of my thigh yeah. and then go I'm gonna post the jiggly bit under the back of my thigh and then I've got to write a caption which is I don't like the jiggly bit under the back of my thigh <laughs> which yeah. is then reminding me about the yeah. fact that I don't like the jiggly bit under the back of my thigh and by then I would not post it because I'm like oh, I really hate this bit <laughs> and then I need to come up with a plan of how I remove that bit so I just wouldn't even go through the process of doing it because I don't yeah. want to have the conversation can yeah. I change the question would you post a, a picture of a part that you don't like if it was going to help other women to get over that part to no. get over that no still <laughs> no. the same process you're still going to be like I don't know my jiggly bit isn't the same as someone else's yeah. jiggly yeah. bit yeah. and why would my jiggly bit help someone else's jiggly bit because I think the jiggly bit actually is in here okay. in your head yeah and so the platform I used personally to help women think about their own esteem is my voice yeah and so yeah. it's just not my platform uh-huh. and it's not my medium so there are yeah. some people who are like well why are you talking about it because this is yeah. the platform yeah. at which I do it. It's yeah. not. So it's not nat- na- natural to me. I'm, o- I'm older. <laughs> I get it. I get it completely. I get it. Yeah. Um, I think, well, my now pers- thinking about my jiggly bit. <laughs> <laughs> my personal brand isn't about how I look. I would be vulnerable about challenges of running a business because that's what I like to talk about. But like, I've spent a lot of years wasting time looking in the mirror, not liking bits. And now, the older I get the more I feel privileged to still be here. Mm. I feel privileged that I'm healthy. I've got friends yeah. who've yeah. got chronic illnesses mm-hmm. yeah. and you know they have to have some serious treatment to manage that. They're constantly up and down. I'm just really grateful that yeah. I'm healthy and yeah. I feel good. So I try not to, don't get me wrong, I don't look in the mirror and love what I look like every day. There are certain times of the month that totally distort <laughs> that. <laughs> but certain times of the month, I'm totally feeling like, myself. Yeah, so, yeah. good on you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do, that. yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really in- interesting question because how do you because the stretch marks is obviously where you started yeah but I'm sure there are other bits a bit like the jiggly bit or, or whatever yeah. so do you then what happens when you find somewhere at something else like and never end <laughs> and do you, but do you also post things that you love about yourself as well I mean no I don't actually that's a good point I never it's less accepting but then I feel own. like yeah I feel like I'm more is there a negative connotation about posting positive things? So if you yeah. were to be like, 
my boobs are uh-huh. great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That actually has a negative, whereas actually yeah. we should. Ember, yes, yeah, it's crazy that, that when love. you put it like that. It's so true because I feel like if I was to start posting things that I love about myself, people would be like, "This girl is so full of herself." Yeah. But when I post things that I'm, I wouldn't say that that's the thing. Like I wouldn't say that I'm unhappy with them. I wouldn't say that I'm not. Yeah. I don't love yeah, them. Yeah. Like I've accepted them. They are who I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's just for me to put those bit that somebody else might have a little mm. jiggly bit or somebody yeah. else might have a stretch mark there or somebody else might have a stretch mark here um and it's that that people can kind of like get on the same level with and they can accept so i'm gonna set you a challenge and can on. you uh at, at us as well yeah so post something that you love yeah. and at us and say that we asked you to <laughs> see, what com- um, see what comments people share because um, i think it would, you know if people then say it's not right that you're saying all the things yeah. that you love about yourself yeah. then I think we fundamentally have a problem yeah. with yeah. how people respond to people saying good things about themselves yeah. in yeah. social media That's so and true. say that we set you the challenge so you, I will. you know Just people in aren't case. yeah exactly <laughs> I do I do feel people might actually be more mean and that yeah. 97% of people saying good things mm-hmm. actually might be it might be a wider gulf yeah because yeah. it's that, like you say it's that term isn't it being full of yourself mm-hmm. it's like if you are positive about yourself you are seen as being full of yourself when yeah. we've got a massive self self-esteem crisis Literally. so it's like it's so why is that such a problem i feel like we need a hashtag of like feeling myself yeah hashtag yeah. feeling myself that can be a new one there we go and then uh, see how many tuggers. people are feeling themselves it's okay. so true so i uh, so if, if you do it so yeah. I, I generally yeah. don't post stuff then I you've got to do I will it post, <laughs> I'll do it i will post yeah. what i'm and feeling about myself like held up with a rolling pin <laughs> no. I love that idea. Do it. <laughs> love it. Um, Chelsea, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is the concept of plus size models. Yeah. You are a plus size model. I am. I mean, <laughs> in the nicest possible way, you just ain't plus size, are you? <laughs> Thanks. No, I mean, so there is a new category kind of coming into place called in between kind of models. And I think that's where I sit. But until that's fully enforced, at the moment I'm a plus size model and so what does that mean in terms of modeling so I'm thinking like for me when I'm on a website looking at a size 18 dress is Mm. it being modeled by somebody who is technically like a size 12 14 no so I am 14 to 16 Mm. um and I think websites do and I think there's a law maybe that they have to state what kind what um size a model is wearing on the picture um Mm. so yeah I think yeah I do get more. I, I, yeah. Like the, when I when I am modelling for plus size, they will say this is modelled on a size. So they do tend to put me in sixteen. Yeah, and clip it sometimes. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so I think yeah, they would put this model is wearing size. Four. Have and you they noticed? put height as well. So they yeah. put the size and the height of the model. Oh, I've never seen yeah. that. Look out for it. Have you noticed that there have been kind of more brands coming towards you for that? A hundred percent. So when I first signed with my agency. Um, I was so reluctant to sign with them. They was messaging me on Instagram for a year. I just had my daughter and I was like, oh my God, they're messaging me. They think I'm a size eight. So I messaged them back. I was like, look guys, I'm I'm really appreciating the fact that you're considering me, but I'm not a size eight. Um, And they was like, no, no, we still want you to come in. I went in for a casting and I signed as their first curve model. Um, 
my work was like one shoot a month and I was like oh my god this is not for me I can't do it um but then as um the more that curve's been accepted now I'm shooting every day so um it's like it's such a growing industry part of the industry being a curve model so I think I came in at the right time but definitely it's been way more accepted now than it was when I started two years ago so I definitely in terms of campaigns for like Boohoo, Misguided and those sorts yeah. of brands, I consistently see what you, you now I now know to be curve models. Yeah. Um and I always thought it was the sort of the Kardashian effect. Yeah. Uh, but it has gone a lot in terms of the ones that I've seen, a lot broader than that. So yeah. women that, you know, do do have busts mm-hmm. and thighs and boobs. Um but of busts and boobs, same thing. I'm going to ask a slightly different question if we've got time. Because you live in Greater Manchester. I do. And did you hear what we were talking about at the top of the show? Coronation Nation Street. Street. Yeah. What do you think about this? So, I feel as though they made it a token family mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be like that. I feel like if they was to introduce an Asian family or any other cultural family, then they would have just been pushed in there and then accepted. However, mm-hmm. being a black family, it's been made a big headline and da da da. Mm-hmm. And I think that as great as it is, and I can understand from a um, from a different side as they've got to push it that way because it gets their numbers up. People are going to tune in and say, "Oh, I want to see the first black family." But I don't think that it should have been a statement thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah. Yeah, it, it tickles me a little bit. I'm a bit like, mm, I'm a bit sceptical. I'm a bit like, oh, they shouldn't have done it. But at the same time, I can understand why they have done it. And if if the black family appeared and mm. there was no news around it. Yeah. Well, in fact, did you notice there had been no black family in 60 years? No, I didn't. I didn't. To be honest, I don't really watch Coronation Street. But no, I haven't. I haven't noticed. Yeah, I, now you're saying that I'm like, yeah. Why didn't they just add just in another family? Yeah, and then ju- and then just do it. Literally, because if somebody out like I know that there's been Asian casts and mm. so many different type of ethnicities, and they've just slid them in there. They've never been like our first yeah. Asian stars. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then when it's a black family, it's like our first black family, and yeah, mm. it confuses me a bit. I'm a bit like, why would you have to point that out? And will you tune in? No. No, <laughs> just for that, I'm yeah. going to be like, no, I'll watch it on the second episode. <laughs> <laughs> and say they can the family after two months. Yeah. How would you feel? This is the, so these are the questions I'm asking myself. Say they're like, actually, it's yeah. not popular and no one else is tuning in and actually yeah. we're just going to kill them off in like... Do you think that's why they've done the it for popularity? I don't know. Mm. But now I'm know. like, I they have to keep the family. Midsummer Murder's got caught and they were like, oh my gosh, we don't want anyone pointing out there hasn't been a black family on... Miss, Midsummer oh, Murder's really? have yeah. had a black man. Yeah, yeah, well, because it got so hauled over the coals yeah. for it. I just hope that's a terrible expression. Apologies. Um, but, like, you know, it got so pulled apart for it that yeah. it's now gone the other way and it's, like, throwing them in everywhere. Like but it, do, it does feel like tokenism because it's yeah. like, mm, yeah, I don't, I don't know what village this is. Because it but, came from the wrong yeah. place, right? But then yeah. when you actually take it in, it is crazy because Coronation Street is based in Manchester, filmed in the centre of Manchester. And I don't think there's a street that you could walk down in Manchester and there's not a black family in a house there mm-hmm. so for them yeah. to be go 60 years is a long time when yeah. you think about it yeah. of constant script writing yeah. 
to not introduce a back family into it it's kind of a bit like whoa yeah, yeah. chelsea we have loved having you on the show oh, thank I've you so much here. um if people want to see the feeling yourself post uh picture that you're going to be looking <laughs> yeah. at now, where should they be looking they can find my instagram it's at c c o k e z brilliant thank you so much <laughs> This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.